I don't, I've never pronounced Azure before, so I got a little pretentious there. I think it's Yeah, I kind of screwed that it's one It's the worst up. name. But Azure. It's, that's not what I think it's just name. Azure. Microsoft Azure. I think it's Azure. Azure. Yeah. I think that's right. The. I have a subject I want to talk with you about. Go. I'm going to throw out two words. You ready? Go. Competitive moat. Competitive moat. You ever heard that phrase before? No. It's, you know, a castle has a moat. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of like the stuff that you need to do to compete against the castle. So, like, there's a big competitive moat around Google in search. Okay. If you want to compete with Google and search, well, actually, let's talk about that. What do you think it would take? I've never even thought about this. What would it take to compete with Google and search? Have some set of information that just simply isn't anywhere else. Okay. So so not even the whole web then. You're just saying like, let's get... I have to go there. Like, my God, somebody just... Google Images is good, but holy hell. That's incredible. Yeah, that's right. It's like super something specific. like that. Okay. I so, think. So, I don't know. That's no my so, idea. But like to generally compete with Google. Yeah. You, Shopping.google is not good. Okay. So you're gonna you're gonna and this is real, right? You can't compete with the whole damn thing. No. It's just too big. It's too big. And in search, it's so good. I mean, it seems to search the whole of around every five minutes and index it. Yeah. So you have to find a, a niche. And then if you want to compete with Google, you would go for that niche. Then if you were good at it, they'd almost invariably buy you. Or one of their competitors would. Yes. Because th- those people also really like their giant competitive modes. Yes. And so we're in this industry. I saw a chart. It's a pie chart. And it's like the tech giants on one side and all the other S&P, like 455 on the other, right? Yeah. Like, like the amount. It's massive. The, they represent like half of the leading companies. Yeah. And like the five companies just make up so much of the economy. Yeah. And so what I wanted to talk about today is just like. How do you live in that world? Because I'll tell you what, over the course of my career, I've probably received 75 emails that are like, I want to build the next Facebook. Mm. And that's a kind of meaningless proposition. I want to build the next Facebook. I want to build the next X. And I get, you know, you get an idea in your head and you're like, oh, this is ambition. Well, this is the one. This is, I know the way to do it. I see a path. What the hell is Mark Zuckerberg? I, I know how to do this. Yeah. I'm going to do mine, but instead of the friendship being between, you know, people, it'll be like between people and ideas. And then we'll connect people through ideas. You get, you get stuff like that. And there's probably like a million people out there right now who know that they personally could build a better Google, a better Facebook, a better Apple. I mean, there's hope. That's right. There's hope out in the world. And so what I wanted to talk about today is how do you function and thrive in a world where you know that you're never going to be the biggest, where... There are just giant organizations with giant competitive moats around them. And yet the whole narrative is like, this is the only success that matters, is to become a trillion dollar company where you have your own Boeing 747. I, I, I think certain industries, um, I, I just think it's over. I, I think you have to just seed um, those industries and hopefully they get disrupted by something else. Well, this is the thing. That's they will. The thing, Something right? one day is going to come for Google or Facebook. Okay. It's not, I doubt in the year 2130, just in the same way that like, 
IBM doesn't control social networks. But it won't be better search or better social network. No, that's correct. It will be something that renders that way of doing things irrelevant. That's a really good point. Like, it's because people won't care about search in the same way. No, yeah. uh, Like, I don't care about slow personal computers as much as people did when IBM was thriving. Or giant room-sized computers that you used in an insurance firm. Yes. Like, they own that. Yes. The world changes, and the big companies can't Uh, catch up. Exactly. Like, I wasn't going to build the next big hotel chain. Right. I wasn't going to do it. But what I can do is I know a lot of people have days when they're not at home or they have extra apartments that they don't know what to do with. And what I can do is disrupt and create a new marketplace where I can allow people to effectively lease out, not on a monthly basis, which is traditionally how it works, but on a daily or number of days basis. And I'm going to call it Airbnb. And that blew up. Right. Because if I'd walked in the and I'd said, I'm going to just, we're going to start the next Hyatt. We're going to build 500 hotels and we're going to be better. We're going to, and that's, there are people doing that. You want to cross the moat. You want to get across the moat. That's actually not, you're right. There's, there's so much force. Hyatt can outspend you. They can hire lobbyists. They can buy you. They they can buy you. They can put you to bed. They can um, buy the real estate that you're bidding on. Correct. And they can kick your ass. It's really like if they know you're existing and they, and you're in their kind of in their house, they'll kick your ass. But if you come from the side, like Hyatt on the other side cannot reach out to people and ask them to rent out their living rooms. It just doesn't function that way. It can't work ground up that way. I'm going to build a new car service company that's going to really just have great service. Blurg. <laughs> We're going to get to you way faster. Than well, you know what usual. happens is sometimes giant companies do that. They're, and you see this with like, you know, McDonald's goes all in on salads. Right? Yeah. Like, or they, or, you know, there was a point and I can't, I can't track this down, but I remember reading it really clearly. Starbucks at one point was making little coffee shops that were not Starbucks, but were really cool and looked local. Is that true? Yeah, because they wanted to just make sure that they were like, you know, there's a place to test out ideas and they wanted to make sure they were getting that market. That's amazing. Right. And so there's all that stuff. Yeah, there's a whole big part of capitalism that we never know what they're doing to us. (laughs) Yeah. So I think about this a lot, right? You know what I think is actually one of the ways that emotionally, the fact that no one can become the next Google, I feel that like a lot of the blockchain technologies are a way for technologists to say, no, no, but really. Yeah, I'm important. This is really important. This is really big. Right. Like this is billions of dollars. Check this out. This is real. It's it's like that, but it's decentralized and it's on the blockchain. And and it's a way to continue to participate when you know that there's only five giant companies. And there are interesting ideas there and interesting concepts. It's just they've not nobody's drawn the dotted line to real value yet. It's, I mean, they have and they haven't, right? Like you just sort of, we're just all sort of surfing along to see what the outcome is going to be. I think that's it. We're still waiting for the outcome, yeah. there, right? And so, and which is fair because it took years for the internet to to start to really make sense. Okay, so let's do that exercise. What is that thing that is going to disrupt something like a fa- the social media structure of like a Facebook. Well, all right, let's go back for a second, play it out. I mean, now we're sort of in like innovators dilemma territory, but where, so why did, you know, it's so hard for the legacy company to catch up. So the thing that you have to do now is search. You have to go and put something in the box. Yeah. And the thing that would probably blow search up is the information just kind of comes to you. It reads your mind somehow. 
there's some cool technology that is so predictive and good that you don't need to bother with it. You don't need to search anymore. But that doesn't seem real either. Like what, what could really knock Google out? It's so hard for us to conceive of. And, you know, I'll say this out loud and I'll get like seven emails from people who are like, no, no, I've figured it out. But they don't know either. Nobody does. Nobody does. Look, I think the way you disrupt is you eliminate steps. Right? Okay. There was a day when you'd have to sign on to the internet with some internet provider. There was a day when you weren't on the internet and when you wanted to get on the internet, you dialed a number and you got on the internet. Right. And then you'd open your browser and then you go to google.com, right? And then you type, sir, uh, then you go into the search box and search. Okay? Right. Google... I think it was like 10 years ago or something like that, decided to come out with a browser. Chrome. And I couldn't get it. Like, I'm like, Firefox was killer. Like, it yeah, was excellent just, at that point The last thing we needed was another browser. And it's just, just like, oh, I guess they're such a big company that I guess it make, they want to kind of own everything top to bottom. That's what it but, felt but like. But it's like, it's a browser, man. I mean, Firefox does the job. I wouldn't buy into it. I'm like, and why are you doing it? And it turns out the only reason they were doing it is to eliminate one of the steps. The search bar and the URL bar became one. There's that, I think that, but there was another element there too, which is I think they really want to control over the delivery environment for their own software. Like they had stuff like Google Maps going. Other stuff was starting to happen. Yeah, and so they were like, we need to, and one of the big things about Chrome is it had a very, very optimized JavaScript engine, which means that it ran code more quickly than other browsers. Much faster, actually. Very good. And so suddenly- They just put real resources behind it, and that was that. So suddenly, like, old code ran faster, and new code could run pretty damn well, almost as good as, like, a desktop app might. Yeah. And if you're Google, and Gmail and Google Maps are are some of the ways that you make billions of dollars, being able to deliver more efficient experiences that people that you've control over is worth a lot of money. Worth a lot of money. And at the same time, yes, let's optimize the path into the web so that the minute I open this browser, I got my search bar right there. Yeah, so- Let's kill some more steps. Okay. The hell with opening the browser. Okay. Just search. Well, now that's now we're in the world of like Alexa, talking to your phone, things like that. That's and, right. And I my mean, aunt, your phone has a Google button, so well, you're not opening a browser anymore. We talked about this on another podcast, a $5 billion fine from the EU because the Android has a little Google bar on the bottom. Because designers and engineers eliminated steps. That's right. And now we're at the point where if you just talk across the room, right? I mean, it's kind of amazing. There's I mean, 32 uh, devices listening to us right now. There, it, there are. Yeah. There are. You probably uh, ordered a pizza while you were doing this podcast. Like by mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what you're talking about is, okay, so how do I beat that? Now, is there, are there any steps left? This is where it's devastating. Now right? I'm just talking to the wall. This is where it's devastating because you can't see it. And then like people used to, you know, the bell system, which we talked about again on another podcast, but like when you research and understand the bell system, it was a, it was the largest employer in America and it controlled every aspect essentially of how we communicate, especially Mm -hmm. long distance. And Lily Tomlin released a comedy album as a, you know, she had a character who was a, a phone operator. Oh, I remember this. We're yeah, old. Ernestine. We're old. No, this is like, I, I this is a little, uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So Ernest, you can, I think the Ernestine albums on Spotify, like you can, it was such this part of pop culture that the phone, that the phone mm-hmm. company was unavoidable and it could screw you. Yeah. And nobody saw a way forward. And eventually it did break up. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just sort of like, it. so clearly there's a precedent. Organisms at this size are vulnerable in a very sort of like macro way. 
I, like they're vulnerable to economic shifts and and technological disruptions and cultural shifts. No, they're not vulnerable to like somebody else does something four percent better because then they'll just buy that. No, yeah. But they're vulnerable to like you know maybe global warming will destroy Google. Like I mean it's very like something big comes along. And their paranoia around getting because they're technology companies and they they're disrupted smart. a lot and they're, they're very paranoid about somebody else kicking their butts, right? That's right. I was at a gathering. I'm not going to mention who the person was, but he's pretty high up at Google. Okay. They lead a lot of people at Google, a lot of engineers. Mm -hmm. And I said, so what, what's, what do you think about? What's your, what's your, what's your, where does your energy go? And he turned to me and he said, man, Amazon did something really smart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. I'm like, all right, why don't you focus on your success, dude? You're no, Google. No, And he said, yeah, you know, they they just, they abstracted it out and they sold it. Yeah. I said, what, what are you talking about? And he wasn't talking about Amazon getting boxes to your house. He was talking about what AWS. Right. And they are in a panic mode to become relevant. And he's like, he goes, I got to say, Microsoft reacted fast. With Azure and with, all that stuff. And yeah. it's doing very well. He's like, so, you know, Google Cloud is a big, big deal for us. I'm like, what the hell? I know. Why don't you just relax? No, they can't relax. You <laughs> but also, who are you to tell that? You, you're worried about 500 clients from now for this company. <laughs> I thought I used to, I, th I swear to God, I'm a person prone to anxiety and panic. And now I work with you. I mean, I'm, as far as I go, this company is doing quite well. We are working really hard. As far as you and I can tell, we're failing. It's over. It's over. I, my stuff's in a box. This podcast is our last, <laughs> last ditch attempt to save the company. <laughs> but what I thought was interesting there was they're terrified of each other because they know how aggressive. You know, it's fat. I mean, uh, this is also like, it's a high up person, but it's still an engineer, right? Like this is someone who doesn't really have to worry about Amazon every day. No. They choose to on behalf of the giant entity that they are affiliated with. Yeah. And like that paranoia is very effective. It's an incredibly useful tool, and I'm sure it's built into the culture. Well, I think I think like, I don't think at Google you get to say, "Don't worry about it." No, I don't <laughs> think so either. But I think what they're freaked out about is that Amazon made a hard move into one of their steps. Yeah, they said, "Oh, you know what? Boxes where you search inside of. How about we make a crappy little device that sits in your house that." Tells you the time, but wait, we'll keep going. You're talking it's the capital of Canada. Who's the prime minister of Mexico? All You're talking these... about like Alexa and Echo. Yes. Yeah. Alexa and Echo freak them out. Don't forget too, Amazon's been nudging around on like the, the dynamic ad delivery game. Like Amazon is coming for Google. If it can get that wedge in, it's coming. It, it's coming. And, and this is why Google's doubling down on machine learning, right? Something where they truly have an advantage right. and they're good. They've gotten good at building their own hardware. Is so that they, true? Oh, yeah. So the, one of the things you can do now that you... So Google did something really intelligent. There's a large open source environment called TensorFlow that you can use to program your machine learning models. Like you can apply TensorFlow to a giant data set and train that data set. And that's how machine learning works. Mm -hmm. And it's become one of the default ways that you do machine learning. A TensorFlow model can be executed against something called a TPU for a tensor processing unit. It's very, very fast. It's like a 3D card on steroids. Tensor processing units can't be bought on the open market. They are only made by Google. However, if you're doing machine learning, which is a, you know, can have a real, if you do it right and you have a real plan around it, you can make a lot of money and really sort of 
do things with your models that other people can't, and, you know, maybe beat your competition. The way that you you can run TensorFlow models incredibly efficiently and cheaply compared to almost anything else in Google's cloud. Okay. So you can get access. So they're leasing out their particular brand of intelligence. They've created a whole open source ecosystem because mm. I can still run TensorFlow on on my 3D card on Linux, mm. or I can like get Buy. the equivalent of like 700 computers for forty five dollars for an afternoon uh-huh. with Google Tensor Processing. Got it. Right. And that that's some that is hot shit. Like yeah. that is and Amazon doesn't have it. It has machine learning machines. Sure they're aiming for it, but yeah. But they don't have their own hardware. Not the same I way see. they have just random 3D cards. Got it. So it's funny, right? These monsters are competing with each other. They're paranoid about each other. Just giants. Giants, right? Like it, you talk we started this with the moat. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's the moat between, you know, Starbucks and what's another one? Pete's Coffee. Right. <laughs> Those are little moats compared to what's going on here, right? This is this is at a scale. It's still much bigger than anything we're in touch. I mean, it's that's that is still a huge moat. But the the these five are like, yeah, com- these are the biggest companies that have ever existed in history. Yeah. So how the hell do you get in? I think the only way you get in is you find success on top of them. Well, I think there's another thing going on here, which is people come to me a lot. I'm sure they come to you and they're just like. Hey, you guys have an agency in New York City. What are you guys doing around machine learning? What are you doing about, about blockchain? What are you doing about this? Yeah, what are you doing about that? Because they think it's the next. And they think that we're going to be into the next thing. Like they feel that that's probably our job and they read about it. And these are people who really know and understand our industry. They just assume that that's why we exist. And look, we're curious about it, to be clear. We, we have to keep abreast. But what we did is we made a decision to just focus on being like a good company that puts nice things in your hand. Yeah. And build solid platforms. Like we made a decision to actually be on the more like professional and service oriented and like reliable side of things, which is definitely less attractive than being like a cool blockchain company. Yeah. And maybe harder to even hire against. Right. right? Like, but that allows us to really understand what we do on a day-to-day basis. And what happens is that like blockchain companies and machine learning companies actually increasingly come to us because they've solved incredibly hard problems, right. but they don't actually know how to get people to use and interact with the things that they've built. I think that's where there's some opportunity. And so that's like, right. we just basically said, there's a niche here to just be focused on a craft yeah. and to continue to deliver. And sometimes I think that I feel like a lawyer, you know, or I feel like a doctor. Like, it's just like, oh, hey, a lot of people have that problem and I'm going to give you a prescription and help you. come back in a month. Let's see how you're doing and then we'll right. put you on the plan. You know, that's that's sort of how I see our business a lot of the time. And that's much less cool than being like, we are innovating and machine learning in the future of blockchain. Yeah. Which I'd love to say those words out loud because I think I could generate a lot of money for the business. And look, and there's a ton of innovation and then there's and there's ton of great success not based on those things this is something that actually we could have another podcast mm-hmm. this the, is the, the I, success around a slack or the success around a dropbox is fascinating to me because i could name five companies before them that did pretty much the same thing. execution matters so much but you know here's what i want to get i want to actually talk about that but i want to frame it which is that the giant tech companies because they have such loud voices in the room they get the press they get to define kind of literally like the ones we're talking about define like the web and they define mobile, like how, what experiences sure. you're making. They eat up all that oxygen and they define success entirely for the vast 
majority of human beings. People yes. are like, Google's all about machine learning. Hey, Postlight, what are you guys doing about machine learning? And it's like, well, that actually isn't our business. And they're like, but you're in tech. Right. Right. And so Slack comes along and everybody, all those companies have actually tried to do what Slack has done. Yeah. And they just executed on making a good experience and staying focused on one thing. And they've owned, they own a very large part of the market yeah. now. This isn't a sliver that was left behind by, I mean, look, to be clear, they're greedy as hell, the big ones. They, they don't want to lose anything. No, but I mean, like Google was like, why didn't we do that? Why didn't we do I, Slack? I, I'm sure. And remember, like, you know, Microsoft is an investor in Facebook, also owns Yammer, which is the Facebook for business. Yeah. I'm not on Yammer very much anymore. Is Yammer still around? I'm sure it's around, but I, you know, I mean, there was, and then God even knows what Google chat hangouts meet is. I, I, that's killing me. Google chat. Whatever yeah, it happened. I, like, I, I don't know. It was built on Jabber. It was going to be open. it's in Gmail, like on the side. I, that is a thing that I actually get like white hot with rage because they change it. They don't tell you. And then you're always like trying to make a conference call or a chat work. And they've suddenly <laughs> it's Google meet and you have to only, you can only access it through a television. Yeah. And then you have to switch accounts and you're trying to log in. I mean, the desire to be just about everywhere, touching everything is is very real. But right? meanwhile, like, Slack basically took like stupid animated GIFs and text chat <laughs> and bundled it up in, a, in an application that runs about, takes about 12 gigs of memory to yeah. run because it's <laughs> built on top of, it's like dogs it's, on a wheel. It's not very attractive. No. It's kind of janky looking. And, and God bless everyone who works there. We yeah. love it. We love like, it. We, we, we love use to it all build the time. things on it. Yes. Yeah. Like we love Slack. It's nowhere. It's just a great example of, you didn't need to do the machine learning. Yeah. It's a very different definition of product, right? Than like. I, and I think it's great. I think it's fascinating. And that's, that is the thing. There is more than one kind of product. And if you listen to Google and Amazon and if you listen to Apple, they will tell you that, you know, you'll just hear Johnny Ives voice saying like, it's an aluminum, you know, blah, blah, and all the apps are, all can't the, take those everything's videos. flat and it's rotating. And that's success. There's one kind of success. And it's the success of beating Amazon, having more tensor processing units than somebody else. At that level. That's right. But they define the narrative. And then if you're an idiot, you only listen to that. If you're smart, like Stuart at Slack, yeah. you say, well, I don't know, this could work. This could make we, this a little easier. This freaking game didn't work out, but I like the <laughs> chat. And so suddenly you have Slack. Yeah. And there's a whole category of products that are like one level down, but are doing real good. And I just love that there are products of just better experiences, not a ton of like processing power innovation, but rather just thoughtful. You know what I um, love about the people who are like, we know people at Slack. They'll talk to you. Meanwhile, if you know somebody who's like, somebody could be your best friend. It could be your wife. And you know, you could be hanging out, having a good time, enjoying a glass of wine. And then they get a phone call and they're like, hey, we'd like you to come work for Google. They'll and never that's speak it. to you again. They'll never speak to you. You'll, yeah. you'll occasionally- Kiss the children. You'll share text messages about your children. And that's pretty much the end of your relationship. <laughs> but people from Slack are open about what they're up to. They're it's just not, not at that cultural level, right? But I mean, there's also like the, the defensive moat is like they're working harder at, at preserving a defensive moat than the people at Google and Amazon. But they don't have that culture of like, I can't participate back because it only creates risk. Right. They're like, I still want to participate and I still want to play. And then things get to a certain scale and lawyers show up and it's like, basically everybody's a Kardashian and they're like, I can't speak in public anymore. Yeah, I, I think Apple anymore. set the tone here with their paranoia and such. Google actually did too. Very early on, you'd see people just disappear and you never heard from them again. 
Interesting. I will say that it's changed a little bit. Like there's more outreach, the, the open source community. It's still a struggle for like open source people in Google to, to get the voice. I, I'm sure. But they've also made a lot of hires of people who work on things like Git or schema.org and whatever. And they let those people really still be part of their communities. Yeah. So they invest that way. But I mean, yeah, the core of the business is still to stay away. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that is a culture that can get you an enormous amount of wins and victory. It's also a culture that can get you Google Plus and it can get you Apple's sure. ping, they know there's ping be service. Garbage. That's okay. They didn't think Google Plus was going to fail. No, Google Plus was a big that was They bet the farm. That was a mess. And then the Google farm Google Wave fire. was another interesting one. Google Wave was a big experiment, but it was like, it was kind of early days innovation, you know, research lab. But Plus was like, we figured it out. We have a plan. We've heard you. We're going to be Facebook. Yeah. And then it was just a parched desert of death in about a year. It was rough. But then they gloss over those failures and, and they go on and they pretend as if everything has been <laughs> glory. So I guess what I'm saying is I love that middle tier and below. I really do. I find it easier. I, I, the big giants are interesting to work with and so on, but you only ever get to touch and understand a little bit about what they're doing. I agree. That like that Slack level where something is worth billions, or even the company that's got the product that has like fifty thousand users, but it's starting to figure it out. Yeah, get me in there. I want that's more help. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Or the organization with a couple hundred or a couple thousand employees. It's like, what do we do with digital that really can help us? You know, sort of continue to be who the hell we are. Those are great. Yeah, that's the that's the tone of this, which is keep your chin up. Yeah, that's right. Don't <laughs> no, because it's like that agenda just gets set. Don't ask. I'm going to be the next. Facebook. And it's not, it's not embarrassing. How do I do it? It's not embarrassing to not be like, you just don't. Who wants to be Facebook? Oh, dude, the emphasis, the, the, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to tell you when you are in this world and you listen and you pay attention to the media, you feel like an idiot. If you don't have a trillion dollar opportunity, you. <laughs> you just feel like garbage. You ever read like Y Combinator Hacker News? I have. I mean, it's just all, It's. it seems to be like all young men who are just like. Well, they see it and they want it all and. I know, but I, I just feel it's like, it's like people with $3,000 in their bank account saying like, I will not accept less than $100 million when it happens. <laughs> like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. It does. Sometimes you just go ahead and get a job and do it and it's okay. So if you've got that right sized idea. If you've got that right sized idea. And you need help. Do you know who I would call, Paul? <laughs> you know what's great, Rich? It's great to have a company that can build things, but that's not what I need right now. What I need is somebody who can like come to my office and just listen for a minute and help me get a plan. Right. I've got these revenue goals. I have this vague sense that I need to do something strong with digital, but what the hell? I mean, I need some kind of product management here to help me figure out what the hell I'm even going to do. I mean, ultimately, right? You're, a startup is just has an idea that's really based on solving a problem. Right. And a lot of times what people don't realize is that that problem that's inside that organization is asking for a startup, so to speak, but rarely do you get the blank slate. But right? see, this is always stuff. This is the thing you keep telling me that post slate will build great stuff, but I need that thinking too. Yeah, exactly. So, so who's going to give that to me? Also post slate. What? <laughs> no. Hold on a minute. All right, let's get let's get real here, Paul. Okay. I mean, we're a great uh, set of designers, product managers, and engineers. That's true. We can build you just about anything. We'll design, build, uh, and honestly, we 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 will we will talk to you anyway. We'll give good advice. We leave people with good advice a lot of the time. But the re the reality is that we we also increasingly people are coming to us with far more abstract problems and challenges yes. and opportunities and saying. 
I've got this budget here. I've got these goals. I need some help. So can you help me out? And that is real. We go in there and sometimes we'll you figure it out. Yeah. Sometimes it's because things are falling, uh, falling a little behind. Sometimes it's because there's a real big blank slate. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's because the other competitor has shown up and you gotta, you, you're worried about that other competitive. Yep, moat. They you did something to- smart. I think this is, this could bleed into another podcast. You see what I mean? Like it, it's, it's, a, it's tricky because it's so big and it, it dominates our culture. But the reality is there's all of us out here doing, there's millions of people sort of doing meaningful work, trying to make this stuff move along. And we're not at Google. We're not at Amazon. We're not at Apple. And there's all kinds of still to this day, tons of opportunities out there. There are. That you're not going to, don't go after search. This is the thing. You can spend all your time trying to climb Mount Everest. Yeah. And like, you know, it's also nice to have a little house on a hill. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's leave it there. Hello at postlight.com. Anything you need ever, you just get in touch. We'd like to answer questions. Have a lovely week. Let's go protect our competitive mode. (laughs) Bye. Bye.